The following is an exclusive presentation of News Radio KMAN, your home for K State Athletics. It's game time. This is the game on News Radio KMAN. Could one of our local businesses be haunted? Big question coming from the Fridge Liquor Store here in Manhattan. They just tweeted out a video moments ago of a a cardboard display case being pushed over in their store. And it had like this Korean vodka. That was the display in many bottles. They Wait, tweeted there, out, there, there's vodka from Korea? Yeah, clear liquor. It's a big deal over there. Okay. And the, the display fell over, and they're now looking for a ghost. <laughs> well, just by watching the video, there might be a more explainable explanation. However, I will say this. Fridge. First of all, I'm a big fan. Second, if you need a ghost hunter with no experience but has watched plenty of ghost adventures to conduct a investigation and would do it cheap. I think Troy and I are your guys. Whoa, 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 whoa. How'd my name get into this? Well, I don't see a lot of people doing these ghost hunts by themselves. Granted, I could call in reinforcements. I do have someone in mind. Who has? Do you act, you know a ghost hunter? I actually know someone who has produced ghost hunt shows that have appeared on television. Oh, well, let's keep that quiet because I want the job, not that guy. Woman, but yeah. Well, sorry. Yes, I'd rather take the job. I hear you. I'd rather try it. It's something I've re- I've always wanted to do. Like, just send me in someplace that is you know apparently haunted. Let me. You know, do the investigating. Let me. Could I? I've seen enough of the shows. Beer? Be like, I can ask a ghost. Hey, how if you're many, here, make a noise. How much beer could I drink and pass it off as a ghost in this position? Oh, oh, sorry, that wasn't supposed to be on air. Um, dang it. Okay, I know how to make this happen. Come on. And I just need my phone. Like, there's these apps you can download that, you know, you just oh boy. get your recorder out. You know, I, I could figure out a few ways to talk to a ghost. Okay, anyway, welcome to the game. Mitch Fortner, Troy Coverdale. Just us two today. Shout out to those listening on the podcast. If you miss any of the show, look us up on Spotify, Google Play, Apple Podcasts. Anywhere you get your podcast, just search for The Game KMAN. And once again, we are no longer with SoundCloud. That's the big difference with our podcast, no longer uploading to SoundCloud. We're now uploading with a different program, but you should still get your podcast everywhere else you were previously before this little change. Overwhelmingly on Apple Podcasts, by the way. Is that where most of the listens are going? That is where most of the listens are. I haven't officially... uh, received uh the paperwork on like what the breakdown is on like where the listens are going when i logged in for posting today uh there's a quick rundown on there 
I've been pushing Spotify. I, I don't know why. Maybe that's just because I. That's well, just what I. Right. That's why I typically use like if I'm going out on a run or something or going to exercise. I you know Spotify is just kind of my go-to. Well, for and music. they're the, and they're the host. They're where we're hosted. Okay. But uh, but yes, the Apple listeners, thank you. I was looking at uh, Chris Kleiman's contract earlier today, at least the details, because I'll give a shout to uh, Kellis Robinette. Uh, because multiple people now have you know, reported on this, but Kellis is where I saw it first with the Kansas City Star and Wichita Legal, so I'll give him the credit for um, for broadcasting and writing about these details. Let me just say this. Chris Kleiman, we already know the details of like, all right, for the next eight years he's going to make an average salary of $5.5 million over the next eight seasons. That's caboodles of cash. You know, that at the most, you know, at the final year of the contract, 2030, he'll be making $6.5 million. No coach has ever made that money here, ever. Going to make a whole lot of money. I wish I had Chris Kleiman money. The things I could do. I could start my own ghost hunting company and start making cash. I could maybe get a TV show out of it. It would change my life. It doesn't stop there, though. Doesn't stop with just Chris Kleiman being one now going to be the t- one of the top paid coaches in the Big Twelve. He'll he'll jump into uh, the top twenty five of the highest paid coaches in FBS college football. It doesn't stop just there because not only can he make that obviously sa- the salary he's going to make, but man, there are a whole bunch of bonuses that can he can make. So that's the next step of this contract negotiation that he and when I say he, I mean Chris Kleiman's people. His entourage, his staff, that, you know, agents and stuff that keep control of how this contract negotiations were going to go down with Gene Taylor. So there was one carryover to the previous contract, and that was the automatic extension. I actually forgot about this, and that is there will be an automatic trigger of a one-year extension when Chris Kleiman and the Wildcats win eight games, make it to a bowl game, that automatically triggers a one-year extension, and that'll go through the 2025 year. So like next year, K-State wins at least eight games, of course, probably going to win another Big 12 championship, bowl game, all that stuff, automatically triggers one-year contract extension through 2031, and he will make... That year, the extra year, $6.5 million, the peak of his contract. So there's that. And then you get more into the bonuses. And basically everything you could achieve when it comes to just first starting with bull eligibility and from there on out, there's a bonus in there. So I'll just, before I rattle these off, what a job that was done, I think, by both ends. But Chris Kleiman has really worked himself with, of course, his success in a lucrative deal. Because there are plenty more chances, other than just making you know, an average of $5.5 million over the next eight years, making more cash with the bonuses. Including, he doesn't even have to finish in the top two of the Big 12 to receive a bonus. A third-place finish will grab him an extra $100,000. Finish second in the Big 12, how about a buck fifty? Finish first in the Big 12 standings, 
How about a quarter of a million dollars? I feel like Regis Philbin all of a sudden. Now, Chris Kleiman can earn even more than that. And how about another quarter of a million dollars if he just remains employed at K-State through March 1st of 2024? Another quarter of a million dollars. He will be awarded an extra $100,000 each time K-State makes a Big 12 championship game, just making the game. And how about another $200,000 for winning the Big 12 championship? But we're not done there. Simply winning six games is fifty grand. dollars making a New Year's Six Bowl appearance. Quarter of a million by making the playoff and a national championship victory. Actually, maybe just a national championship game. National championship game would earn him a bonus of $1 million. This goes for any coach. You make a national championship game, we're going to be throwing a whole bunch of cash at you. You are all of a sudden king of the castle or queen of the castle. Just depending on who that is at the... At the time. Now there's more into the buyout numbers as well. Now if Kleiman's contract terminated, leaves for another job, Kleiman's going to owe $6 million bucks, Or that, that would be the buyout, right? $6 million, I should say, for his contract. If another team wants him, they're going to buy him out. $6 million right now. If there's three to four years left... I should say two to four years left, that's $3 million. And then there's no buyout with less than two years remaining. Now, if President Richard Linton or Athletics Director Gene Taylor, if they're no longer with K-State, then Kleiman may terminate his contract for just $1 million. Now, that does seem to you, Troy, is that a surprising number or just a surprising clause? That is a surprising number to me. It's not a surprising clause because of the way that, well, athletic directorships tend to overturn. When you look at the rotation that has been here at K State, really, since I was in school, it's been seven, eight years tops for one AD to be in place. Now, here's another step in this contract. And that is if Kleiman and his contract is terminated without cause, then you start seeing some really big numbers. And it could be for, you know, what would be the typical reason that he'd be let go without cause? Like, and I, this would never happen, but like if another coach, you know, if K State decided to go with another coach and decided to let him go, is that about right? Is that the, would that be the more common reason? A yeah. without cause reason to get rid of Kleiman? Yes. Yeah. So if they did that next year, Kleiman would be paid $29.6 million. He's going to receive a giant chunk of what's left of his contract. And then so on and so forth. The, the number gets smaller as the contract continues. But you understand what I'm saying. With one year remaining, Klein would make $6.5 million. So he's going to make the money from his contract. And then, of course, he gets the benefits of being a member of Culver Hills, golfing privileges, a vehicle, membership at the country club, 
tickets to other sporting events. And by the way, the private airplane, use of a private airplane, up to 18 hours. He's got the private jet. I Yeah, Kleiman has made himself, because of the success over the last four years, and think about that as well. His first year, he made $2.2 million. $2.2 million. Mm-hmm. And if you think 2030, that's 11 years after his first year, that is all the way up to $6.5 million. I love that K-State now, as you know, Kleiman got after after me during a press conference one time. I said these, uh, you know, the uh, it was previous before Avery Johnson that these number one recruits in the state of Kansas were. I said the words big time schools, and Kleiman said, "Wasn't K State a big time school?" And I said, "Well, they are now." Well, now the contracts are saying big time. I mean, it's not maybe blue blood status, but it, it's to numbers we've never seen before. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That to me is a really big deal because you're putting in the effort, you're putting in the numbers, the dollar amounts to keep the coach around that you know you're going to get a return on investment. The return on investment is victories, people in the stands, winning championships, winning Big 12 championships, high caliber recruiting, reputation. College football, college basketball, college baseball, whatever. Reputation that is better than it was previously. And that's where K-State is right now. What a deal for Chris Kleiman. Arizona State's athletic director Ray Anderson says to the media he's very confident in a long-term viability. The 10 schools are solid. And says summertime, July or perhaps August when the media deal is announced. Didn't we start getting timelines or like projected timelines of when this deal would be done a year and a half ago? Yes, we did. Well before the Big 12 even snuck in and took care of business. Well, yeah, it's like they say summertime, July or August. The pat see the it's probably what the third or fourth projected timeline that we've had with the Pac-12 and its new media rights deal and potential expansion, because I know South Dakota State, or not South Dakota, San Diego State, rather. (laughs) Wrong SDSU, yeah. Yeah. And and SMU have been brought up multiple times in possible expansion. Now they feel like it's even more real now to expand with those two universities. So just to give the Pac-12 benefit of the doubt, maybe – Let's aim towards the winter. If they're going to say summer, I'm going to say winter of maybe having a new meteorites deal. And then we'll get to the ACC later on in the show. Man, is that really – things have kind of turned upside down for like the bottom half of the schools in the ACC. Meanwhile, the top half are saying, eh, we don't like this equal share thing. We want more money than you guys. We draw more viewers. Clemson is sitting there going, hi, remember us, your last real challenger? For a national title? And then Duke was like, but basketball. But basketball. Yeah, yeah. But Cameron Indoor. Have you seen Wade Wallace Stadium, just out of curiosity? Uh, I mean, I've seen it on TV. I've not seen it in person. Absolutely floored me to see on campus. And granted, they have upgraded seriously since the trip that we took and, and saw there. But it's basically a miniature Rose Bowl. 
The flaw with it is that it's miniature. Like small, surprisingly small, on-campus facility, no parking around. I mean, Cameron Indoor Stadium is small when you really consider because it's only 3,000-some-odd seats. Yeah. But isn't isn't Duke like the locker rooms are like a quarter mile yes. away? Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it it is it's ancient and it doesn't work well. Man, the ACC does have some odd walks from they're, the locker room to the field. The the baseball stadium at the time that we visited floored me because there was no press box. It literally was a countertop sitting behind home plate. An ACC school. And you have Clemson that takes buses from one end of the stadium to the other so exactly. they can run down a hill. Exactly. Uh, let's see, is it Virginia Tech that, although I, you know, the inner Sandman and the people jumping before the entrance is really cool, but if you've seen the walk, they also take a long walk mm-hmm. that's outside, and then they stuff them into a really skinny tubble, or t- tunnel that I hope you're not claustrophobic because it, it's pretty slim through I, that tunnel. I am just waiting for the day, by the way, that Clemson tips over a bus with all the rocking that they do that is still one of the dopest things i've seen though oh yeah i don't argue that i mean yes they might have some long weird ways to get to the field but when they actually get to the field and run on the acc does have i mean miami stealing the show with the fire extinguishers or the fog machines when they run out i mean that's about as cool as miami football gets these days that's wallace wade stadium at duke tiny well, how that, big that, of a school is Duke? I mean, at least they have bathrooms, though. <laughs> what is what is Duke's enrollment? Uh, it's only about five thousand, some odd. Oh no, it's more than that. But it's 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 very it's very slight comparatively. Though. All right, quick Google search: seventeen thousand. Oh, okay. That was that was less than I thought it would be. Because I'm thinking, you know, K State. You know, just thinking K State numbers. I think you know, just for some reason, I think Duke. I'm like, all right, private school. Yeah. Probably should take in consideration it's private, but that's uh Jack Coombs Field, the baseball stadium oh, yeah. at Duke. What's the deal with like it's a beautiful setting? Why but... are there so many baseball fields that face to the southwest <laughs> on the east coast? <laughs> I remember calling a game at Elon. I think I brought this up to you before. Elon <laughs> all nighter because of flights. Yes. Because like the runway here in Manhattan was frozen over, took forever to get out of here. And then, oh, by the way, 6 o'clock first pitch, and you're calling a game just staring into the sun. Awful. They're playing on a baseball stadium that has been the baseball field since 1931. Holy smokes. And the last renovation, 1973. Yeah, it feels like it. There's no doubt about that. All right, let's get to my top 10 list of the week. It's not um, sports-related, but I did do this last year, and I mentioned – in the previous weeks that my goal this year is to go to 10 concerts. I say this year, this summer, go to 10 concerts and try to see new acts and maybe take in some genres that I don't usually take in, trying to broaden my horizons a little bit as a music fan. So my top 10 lists this week are just concerts in our area, as in, you know, I do go as far as St. Louis because there are just, 
I think it's kind of a dull year for our area for concerts, but I'm still going to try to get out there and see some shows. Number 10. Now, when Mason comes on at 510, I want to ask him about this, but Fox Theater in Hutch, I was just there with Lindsay a few weeks ago to see Blues Traveler. It's pretty neat, pretty neat uh, theater. They're going to have their 92nd birthday celebration, and they do this every year to announce their next season of concerts and shows. But in concert, they're going to have Elton Dan and the Rocket Band, which that's a dope name. You can guess who, you know, obviously who that's in tribute to. And then Cherished. It's a Cher tribute band, which does actually exist. I'm thinking like, first of all, this is a free show. To see two tribute bands, I love Elton John, that'd be fun, and then seeing somebody dressed up like Cher on stage, it's something I kind of have to see. It's in Hutchinson on June 3rd. Number nine. I threw in one country concert, one, and I may be pushed a little bit to try to go to this one. I, I say push, like somebody may have to push me to go to this show, but I don't think it'd take too much to talk me into it, because it is a bit nostalgic. Shania Twain. T-Mobile Center on July 19th. She was like the first country artist to come in and kind of get some of that rock cred. Some with a you know, bit heavier guitars. Maybe a bit more poppy than your typical country artist. Mutt Lang as producer is why. I think she would put on a pretty killer show. Oh, absolutely. Number eight. I think I surprise my dad when I tell him I'm a fan of this band. America. Hmm. The band America. I've I've been come I've become a big fan of theirs over the last year or so. They do like the song Horse with No Name, Ventura Highway, Sister Golden Hair, Tin Man. They have a lot of popular songs that you may have heard that didn't realize it was this band. They'll be at Ameristar Casino in Kansas City on June second. The issue there is the tickets are insanely expensive. Like to get in the door is a buck fifty. Oh wow. I'm like, for one band? And they're not you know, this isn't this isn't Elton John that's going to be on stage. It's America. They had a couple of hits, a couple of number ones. Number seven. It's not Hart, but it's Ann Wilson. Now, she'll be at the Stiefel Theater in Solana on July 21st. I think that's a weekend. I think that's a Saturday. I'm interested in that show. I'd love to see Hart. I'm a big fan of Nancy Wilson and her guitar playing. But with Ann there, I have a feeling she'll want to do not only a bunch of heart songs, but a bunch of Led Zeppelin songs. She loves to sing Led Zeppelin tunes. And I'm pretty sure that came from the Kennedy Center Honors when she and Hart were asked to perform during Led Zeppelin's induction. And she sang Stairway to Heaven and absolutely killed it. That's probably why. She got such a great ovation and great reviews on that performance she decided to do some more Zeppelin songs. Number six. Number six on my list of concerts I want to see this summer in our area. Well, this is actually a comedy show. Now, comedy shows are technically concerts. They're considered concerts. But it's called the Fully Loaded Comedy Festival. It's a tour, but it doesn't go to a whole lot of stops. This is in Oklahoma City on July 9th. It'll feature Burt Kreicher, The Machine, who has a movie coming out. Big J. Okerson, who, I, who was actually the first com, uh, comedian I saw in person, and it was awesome. But also Tiffany Haddish, who's very popular. Mark Normand, who is one of the funniest comedians I've ever heard. Rosebud Baker, Ralph Barboza, 
Chad Daniels. A lot of these people have been on the Are You Garbage podcast and are hilarious. I think that'd be a lot of fun. Number five. The only metal show I have on my list is Gojiri and Mastodon. Probably two bands that Troy has never heard of his entire life. And they're, you know, Gojira is out of France and they're much heavier than Mastodon. They'll be at Azura Amphitheater in Modern Springs on August 30th. You want to go? Uh, I think I'll pass. Listen to a couple other tunes. Give them a chance. You know, I think tickets are like 30 bucks. You know, give them a chance and I'll, 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 I'll catch up with you. Number four. Number four is the Party Gras Tour 2023. To me, this lineup is wild. So headlining is Brett Michaels. And I'm not the biggest Poison fan. But when I saw him last summer, I thought it was a, a good time. Mm-hmm. Night Ranger, and I've always wanted to see Night Ranger. I'm a big fan. Jefferson Starship. Now, Grace Slick has been retired for a long time, but it's almost a lot of everything else that had to do with Jefferson Starship. Steve Aguri, I can't remember how to say his name, his last name, but he was uh, he took over for Steve Perry of Journey. Okay. And then you have Mark McGrath, as in Sugar Ray. Nice. I think that's a wild lineup. Uh, Just want to note, by the way, about Night Ranger, and I saw this in passing the other day, Jack Blades is back with them after a bit of time away. Well, and they are also at Stiefel Theater just recently, and I completely botched on going to that. Set myself a reminder. I just forgot forgot to get the tickets. But they'll be in St. Louis. So that's a bit of a stretch to get out there, but it's possible. Number three. I think this would be an amazing show. It's Billy Joel and Stevie Nicks at Arrowhead Stadium on August 19th. I know Lindsay's a big Fleetwood Mac fan, but also Stevie Nicks. Mm-hmm. I know it's. I, I looked up a previous set list of her. She probably does five or six Fleetwood Mac songs, and then the rest is, is, her, is her solo stuff. I'm not a big fan of her solo stuff. I love the Fleetwood Mac stuff. And then Billy Joel. And when it comes to piano rock stars, obviously my guy is Elton John. Billy Joel, I'm kind of a fan. I like some of his music, but I bet he's way better live. Oh, he is tremendous yeah. alive. That's why I oh got to see it in person. It's And it turns into sing-along night. Number two. Doobie Brothers. I've talked about this a lot. I, I really want to see Doobie Brothers in Kansas City, and that's less than a month away, June 14th at Starlight in Kansas City. And with Michael McDonald with them, and it's kind of like a it's almost kind of like an all-star band. The, the all-star lineup for Doobie Brothers, it's the 50th anniversary, so you know they're gonna play all the hits that the Doobie Brothers have have had over the last 50 years. And then finally, number one of concerts I want to see in the area this summer. You probably guessed it. Taylor Swift. One of the two <laughs> nights at Arrowhead Stadium coming up in July. As long as I can get tickets under a grand. Uh, no, that's not it at all. Motley Crue, Def Leppard, Alice Cooper, two days before my birthday, August 13th. Charles Schwab Field, I've called a couple of games there, is the home of the College World Series in Omaha, Nebraska. Now, it's going to be probably the same concert I saw last summer, I'm sure to a T, other than Motley Crue will be the headliner, not Def Leppard, which I feel is the way to go. You put Def Leppard on at 930. You put, I'm sorry, Motley Crue on at 930, 10 o'clock. Def Leppard is more go on at 715. 
type of band. So that'll and, and plus I love Alice Cooper. Alice Cooper is phenomenal live. He still had I don't think he's missed a beat. He still puts on the stage show that he's been doing for gosh, 50 years now. Something like that, about 50 years. So that's my top 10 list of the week. Troy, are you interested in any of those shows? Did one stand out more than the rest? The Shania Twain one does. I knew it. Uh, Billy Joel and, and Stevie Nicks does, though, having just seen Billy now three years ago, I think we'll we'll probably tail off on that one. Um, but, but definitely Shania would be in the mix, not just more from my fandom, but Monica's uh, for that concert. And keeping in mind, I've already seen Motley Crue, Def Leppard. I'm good with that. Saw Brett Michaels, saw Night Ranger. You know, well, I can I is, can go through the list and and be content. I I'm not one to you know. Oh, I've seen him once. I don't need to see him again. Type of mentality. No way. If I like the band, and if I was impressed seeing him once, I want to go see him again. And I've seen multiple bands, multiple times. But. I think let me look down the list again real quick because I believe I think everyone that I mentioned other than Brett Michaels, because I saw him with Poison, other than him and Motley Crue, Def Leppard, Alice Cooper, I've never seen any of them. So it's a pretty good opportunity to see a whole bunch of bands and a whole bunch of people I've never seen perform before. I don't care how old they are. If they still get out there and perform and do a good job, I'm all in. All right, let's take a break. More of the game after these words. Mitch and Troy back with you on the game. 537-1350 is the phone number. Pretty cool to see on Twitter here. The Minnesota Lynx honoring Nicole Oldie today with stats and highlight reels of her time with the Minnesota Lynx, winning a WNBA title in 2009. Of course, Nicole Oldie was an All-American. First team All-American with K-State for four seasons. First round, sixth overall pick. In 2004, to the Minnesota Leaks. I remember, uh, I think KCLY and Clay Center called themselves, called the radio station like the nickname was the Lynx 100.9 KCLY. Thanks to Nicole Oldie playing Minnesota. Because, <laughs> of course, Nicole's yep. from K- uh, Clay Center. Yep. She graduated from Clay nine years before I did. She is more likely to get a banner, yes, up at the Tigers' den. I understand. She's a big deal. 6'5, and man. Clay Center would shut down when she would go play basketball for K-State. Home games, those teams sold tickets. That was the hot ticket in town in the early 2000s. K-State women's basketball, man, what a time that was. I feel like now with the with the team that is, man, already really hyped for this upcoming season and the possibilities for this season's team, I, I haven't felt this kind of hype since probably 2003-2004, when Nicole D was a senior, around that time. feels like it's been that long since there's been so much hype leading up to a K-State women's basketball season. Again, Mitch and Troy with you here on the game. Coming up in hour number two, we'll be joined by Mason Voth. It's been a while since we've been able to catch up with the former host of this show, and now with email online, Mason Voth, so we'll catch up on a number of topics coming up at 510. Uh, NBA Combine is now into day number two. Uh, of course, kind of like you know the NFL Combine, you go through a whole bunch of measurements, speed tests, strength tests, wingspan, vertical jumps, all that stuff. And there's also five-on-five scrimmages. Keontae Johnson invited to the NBA Combine. 
Uh, interesting update here on Twitter earlier today. This was a number of hours ago, but this comes from Andy Katz, who reported that Keontae Johnson, he did come through the NBA TV room because he's been doing a ton of interviews, came through the room and said that he will know next week if he's been medically cleared. And I, you know, I, I don't know if this is NBA doctors who exactly is doing the clearing here, but he's looking to get medically cleared for the next level. But his plan is to still go through the draft and not return to K-State for another year's last year of eligibility. But he's been in Chicago, he's been doing interviews, and going through medical evaluations. And we know, of course, Marquise Noel, who spent a couple of days at the G League Elite Camp in Chicago, and did extremely well on day one. Day two, didn't score as well. Had a bit of a rougher day with shooting the basketball, but still had five assists in just one turnover. Did not get the call up to go to the Combine. Eight guys did from the G League elite camp, but he was not one of them. So, once again, people are sleeping on Marquis Noel. Now, you know, I've said it before, like, I'm not a big follower of the NBA. The NBA was not a part of my childhood. Hardly watched any of it growing up. I had a phase for one year of watching the NBA when I was in 10th grade because my science teacher was really into it. And he's like, give it a chance. So I like kind of adopted the Mavericks as my team. And they actually did pretty well. But Keontae Johnson is, even without working out and still looking to be medically cleared, is more likely, of course, to be drafted over Marquise Noel. And that's no secret. Right now, Keontae is kind of a second-round guy. Kind of been all over the place where he's been graded out to go in the draft. But we also have the NBA lottery tonight. And... That obviously isn't going to matter when it comes to Keontae Johnson and Marquise Noel, just a fact that the lottery is going to be tonight. But I will say, you know, I mean, there's been a number of guys, a number of K-State players that have been drafted over the last 15 years. Not a whole bunch of them, but a number of guys. And also guys that have had the opportunity to get in the NBA as undrafted free agents that have made it to the league, like a Dean Wade. However... That still wasn't enough for me to gravitate towards becoming a fan of the NBA. I've always, always been a much bigger fan of the college game. I've been to one NBA game, and it was the most boring thing I've ever attended. It was an absolute snooze fest between Charlotte and Memphis. And I was only there because of the bowl game case it was playing, and playing in the Liberty Bowl when they played against Navy. It's kind of an environment thing. It's kind of a rivalry thing that really gravitates me towards. And, of course, being from Manhattan, being from the area, K-State's here, always been a college guy. But I got to say, I think Keontae Johnson, having one of the best stories we've had in a long time in college basketball with his comeback, leading to an All-American year at K-State, helping the Cats and Jerome Tang get to an Elite Eight in, in Tang's first year. And then you have Marquise Noel, who's short. He's five, six, and three quarters, completely overlooked. Bruce Weber brought him in two years ago, made an impression, got himself into the starting lineup after we thought he was going to be a backup to Nigel Pack. And then this year, All American. I think that one day we'll get his jersey in the rafters of Bramlage Coliseum. Broke so many records. And as a player like Deuce Vaughn, I gravitate towards because they're small. But they're also electric. 
and they're elite. It's these guys that I think could maybe get me into the NBA more. But the thing is, like for Marquise Noel, it's going to take a lot of work to get there. Maybe the right opportunity to get there. Like maybe, okay, he does well in the summer league, lands with a two-way contract, and maybe somebody gets hurt, he gets the call up, gets a cup of coffee, and that might be it. I mean, it's just Marquise Noel's story is really hard to predict. But, you know, maybe so is Keontae Johnson's. But he could be – I think he will be drafted. I really do. But if their story pans out and they make it to the league and they somehow have more than a cup of coffee, that I think will draw me into the NBA more because it's just two guys I really love because of their stories and because of the impact they made in a very short amount of time at K-State because – They are two guys we are never going to forget. And we had them for two years and one year. That is incredible. That's my opportunity to finally maybe get into the NBA, even if they're in for a very short amount of time. Because nothing will intrigue me more about that, the league, the NBA, than if they make it in some fashion. All right, let's take a break. We'll finish the hour next because, oh boy, we're getting to the top of the hour. I got to finish up with. Actually, should I just keep it here? Yes. I see we're short. Yeah. So maybe I went on a little bit long there, but let me finish up with this. Let me keep it with college basketball. This is a very interesting story because, believe it or not, there will be not one but two eighth year players in college basketball next year. So you have Dewan Clayton who's going to be transferring from Cal and is looking for an eighth year in college basketball. Now, these are kind of similar stories, but I want to – this is the name I know more. I don't really know this Clayton guy at all. Seth Towns. He's a former Ivy League player of the year, and now he's transferring away from Ohio State. He is 26 years old, and he just jumped into the transfer portal. His career began in 2016 at Harvard. And by the way, Jason Tatum was one of the best players of his recruiting class. That's how long that how long ago that was. Dang. Uh, but he became one of the best mid-major players in the country. He averaged 12 and a half points per game. Also played his sophomore year in 2017-18 and averaged 16 points a game. But then he missed the next two years with knee injuries and entered the transfer portal as a grad transfer in 2020. As a grad transfer. And he received a lot of interest, went to Ohio State, played one year at Ohio State, and then missed two years, two more years because of injuries. So if he lands somewhere, 2023-24 will be the eighth year for Seth Towns. I have never heard of that ever. I've never heard of a football player having an eighth year. The thing is, what would be the icing on the cake if he lands with the Kansas Jayhawks? Mitch Lightfoot, Perry Ellis. I thought they were there for eight years. It turns out it was more like four or five. All right, hour two of the game coming up next. Mates and both from EMA Online and your local news.